sweet world, and welcome to the No Dunks podcast on the Athletic Network. It's Friday, June 26th. I'm J.E. Skeets, and joining us here on the phone, we got Tass Mellis. Hey, everybody. Hey, Tassie. We got the bearded one, Trey Kirby. Hey-o. Hey-o. We got the international man of mystery, taking it to the max, Lee Ellis. Friends. Mm. Last but not least, making the magic happen on a Friday, J.D. Hello. There he is, and here we are. Thank you so much for joining us. It's time for the Up Down Report. Preparing your tubes. It's the Up Down Report. Oh yeah, here we go. It's been a while, guys, since we've thrown some thumbs up or down on some NBA and non-NBA topics. Our first one, though. Half man, half amazing, fully retired after 22 seasons in the NBA. Vince Carter has called it a career. The 43-year-old announced that he is officially done playing basketball professionally on his podcast, Winging It with Vince Carter. And that's the angle to this up-down question, where he announced it. Are you up or down, Tass, on Vince announcing his own retirement on his very own podcast? Huge down. Huge down. <laughs> he should have done it on this show. Yes. <laughs> of course. I, I mean, I've salivated over that man for years. How much more does he want? He was on our show on the starters. I asked him, when are they going to retire your number in Toronto? You are the reason that basketball still exists in the Air Canada Center in Toronto. It's all you. You made me buy season seats with my buddy Sets and his younger brother Sets and his daddy <laughs> Simi Sets. And my homie Mike Nomi got in there in 2001. Everybody loves Vince, but I don't think anybody could depict all those highlight reels that we're seeing right now better than I could. Everything, Every single one of those dunks from those Raptor years... Nobody remembers them like I do. I could have brought them up to Vince, and we could have relived them. Uh, but hey, Vince, Vince, yeah, of course he's going to do it on his own show. Good for him. Uh, he's always winging it, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, the next chapter for Vince because, God, he played basketball for a long time. <laughs> I know. Uh, I know. Uh, how old am I? How, how old are we? Yeah. Um, so uh, I'm looking forward to uh, the next chapter for Vince. And, and, and not only was I salivating, you know, I was throwing out my little photos out there of Vince Carter. Lee was throwing out his photos he took of, of Vince Carter with him at the, uh, what was that, the NBA Finals, Lee? Yeah, yeah, last year, yeah, in uh, Golden State. We did a nice little feature there. And uh, I don't know if you saw it as well, uh, Morgan Mitchell throw, showed out the, the video of Vince dunking in that full suit that he was wearing. Right. Mm. Uh, oh, yeah, I was right there for that too. It was, it was incredible to see this old man just getting up there and throwing down this awesome reverse. <laughs> this old man. Um <laughs> It, was it a baggy suit? Because he's usually a sort of a baggy suit. Uh, I mean, no, it was pretty well, you know, pretty well tailored to him, I think. You know? <laughs> okay. Yeah, you made a good case, uh, Tass. He should have come on this podcast to announce his retirement. Because I was thinking, this got to be the first podcast retirement of all time. But obviously, that's not true. August 21st, 2019, Matt Austin retires on The Free Agents. We have a history of letting people come on and say their very last things. Am I right? <laughs> 
<laughs> wow that's yeah. a great point great point Trey you're right uh, Matteo did retire on this podcast is that where you were just looking up pre-show when you uh, accidentally <laughs> played our podcast <laughs> that's exactly right I had to see exactly what it was and you know almost a year a couple months short wow well, see I think I think Vince actually saw that and he saw that Matt's moved out to LA and he's looking for another gig and Vince was like mm, I don't want to fall into that trap so he announced on his own podcast showing that Vince has actually got his second career already figured out. He's going to be in the, in the podcast game. So we're going to have competition from Vince. So, you know, I think this was a smart decision by him. He's going to, he's going to get some eyeballs, get some uh, earbuds uh, on his pod. And, uh, and this is what he's going to do now. He's going to, going to become a media personality. We've seen him. We've had him on the show a few times. He's always out there doing media things during oh, the yeah. finals. So Vince is really just actually, this is a smart play. He's like, I'm ready for my second career. So thumbs up for doing it on his, on his own podcast. Mm, he's thinking ahead. Yeah. He's playing chess out there while everybody's playing checkers. <laughs> I'm with yeah. Look, I'm I'm I'm, up, I'm thumbs up on this as well. You know, kudos to, to Vince. It's yeah. He had always said he's a man of his word. Let's be honest too. He said he was like, "This is my last year." And then of course it ended oddly with the shutdown. Um, and his final game was like early March. But he's like, "Yeah, I told you this was gonna be my last year." And not just because you know it doesn't matter that this uh, you know pandemic happened. I'm done. Sorry guys. So yeah, he's a man of his word. Has anybody taken credit for putting Vince back in on the night that the season shut down? I know Lloyd Pierce was tweeting that he feels honored that he called a play to get Vince his last basket, but, Mm. you know, it wasn't necessarily easy in the middle of March to say, for sure, Vince Carter's not playing ever again in the NBA, but he got back out there for those last couple of seconds, knocked in a three. Good thinking, whoever that Mm -hmm. was. Yeah. That was a strange night. It was literally, you know, I don't know, 30 minutes or 45 minutes after they sort of made the announcement and uh, they had to sneak him in there. Luckily, they had an overtime to get Vince Carter in there. Mm. That was That's something. When you look back at it, I, I know Vince feels like he kind of retired last year as well. And, and because he's been saying goodbye, especially as Toronto Raptors fans, he's been saying goodbye to the Air Canada Center in Toronto several times when he's with the Grizzlies. Will this be his last game? Right. But it is it's a story <laughs> as the the coronavirus comes down on the country he gets in one more one more time and, and hits a shot and you know watching that play um that a man worldwide wop clip and watching all those dunks the the double pump by chris mullen the dunk over alonzo morning the dunk on dikembe what's his greatest I, dunk Cass? What what do you think it is because we were debating this in a group chat the other day yeah my god uh, if you had to pick one, and let's say you can't pick the one uh, in the Olympics. Yeah, I'd probably pick that one. I, I'd pick the nastiest one was on Alonzo. Yeah. Um, but the prettiest one, I think, was the double pump baseline yeah. by Chris Mullen. That he's just gliding. Oh, there's so freaking many. Because you know, <laughs> uh, the, 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 the oop that he throws down, uh, yeah. I think it's against the Clippers, right? Where he mm-hmm. just floats in the air, and he still like hammers like a one-handed oop. I mean, it's not on anybody, but it's it's pretty damn amazing, too. It's sort of like a dunk contest dunk. There are too many. You're right. I, I think it is the one, and I hate it because he's in a, in a Nets jersey, but the one on Alonzo is just disgusting. Cool. And it's smooth, too, because he's got the little behind the back at the beginning of the clip like to get into the lane. And then to detonate on him, I just hate that he's in a Nets jersey. <laughs> yeah. I, I go with that one too, though, because it's Alonzo Morning, who's one of the greatest oh, shot blockers yeah. we've ever seen. And he gets up there and he smashes into him and then just throws it down clean as anything. <laughs> like, it's it's just amazing. Like, if you're going to dunk on someone, you know, and it's a, a, a world-famous shot blocker, 
Uh, I just think that makes it even better. You know, he's yeah. not just dunking on a stiff in the lane. He's hey, uh, Chris Mullen was a hell of a shot. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what Trey? Do you have a favorite? I mean, I guess you're banning the dunk contest dunks from being yeah, in, yeah, in yeah. the in the mix. But for me, I mean, that first dunk contest dunk is the iconic moment of Vince's career, full stop. But if you got to talk about an in-game dunk, and it's got to be in the NBA, I do love his lazy 360 he does on the break, where it's basically just him. He spins the other way, oh, yeah. and when he lands, he kind of almost collapses to the floor. It just looks yeah. so lazy and like, <laughs> I can do a 360 anytime I want to. No big deal. I loved it. No one's going to um, pick uh, Vince Carter's dunk where it got him to 25,000 career points and we were in attendance <laughs> versus the Raptors when he was we with the Hawks. We were there, man. It's not history. I think he became like the 22nd player or something like that at, the, at yeah. that time. And it was with a dunk. It was pretty amazing. Were you holding up the two or the five when we took the photo <laughs> after the game, Skeets? Oh, damn. I think uh. I was holding up the two. I usually throw up peace signs, right? That's my thing. <laughs> So that makes sense. All right. Yeah, so uh, happy trails to Vince, though. You're right. Uh, he's just going to take over media now, be it podcasts or being on television or probably both because he's so damn good at it. All right, our next one. Trailblazers CJ McCollum has joined the ranks of NBA stars fronting wine brands. His 2018 Pinot Noir is McCollum Heritage 91's inaugural wine made in partnership with Adelsheim Vineyard. CJ joins a long list of NBA players who have invested in the wine industry. We got Melo, we got Wade, Yao Ming, there are many others. So, are you up or down on the growing trend of NBA player wines? Lee, what do you think? Well, I'm up on it. I think it's a great investment, but it's a tough market to crack. That's the only key here for uh, CJ McCollum. I couldn't find how much he's selling it for. I saw th- $50 somewhere. Yeah, well, see, that's crazy. That's crazy to me <laughs> what? because... What? No, okay, listen, uh, if you watch Shark Tank, Kevin O'Leary will always tell you, like, 85% of wine in America sells between 10 and $15. People, most yeah. people don't have a sophisticated palate. They just want a bottle of wine that's like reasonable. Just want that's a gonna... Corona. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So you selling it uh, for 50 bucks, that's going to be tough to really get any traction on what is an already extremely tough market to crack. So if I'm CJ, now you don't want to throw it out there for five bucks and it looks like a cheap wine. You've got to go somewhere around like twelve ninety nine, thirteen ninety nine. So people are like, okay, I'll try that. I'll try that. 50 bucks for your first wine. I don't think a lot of people are going to say, I'm going to try that wine. Like, that, you, CJ's Come on, man, feel... it's a CJ McCollum's name on it. Yeah, yeah but, but he's, not a, he's not a name in the wine world yet. He's got he's to build up that credibility. It. So, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm look, he knows his wine. I've seen interviews going back like a couple of years talking oh, about yeah. wine. He knows what he's, th- what he's doing there. But, you know, it's like a rookie. A rookie doesn't just come out and win MVP, really, does it? <laughs> I mean, apart from Candace Parker. So, he's got to... <laughs> He's got to build up that wine, um, you know, history of, of making good wines before he can start throwing out the fifty dollar bottle. <laughs> well, he's not making the wines. That's that's why I guess he can charge fifty bucks. Is because they probably charge fifty dollars already, or maybe it's oh, forty, yeah. and you get ten bucks because it's got CJ McCollum's name on. Uh, I don't care. I'm just, I'm a huge man on this. Putting your name on something you didn't make. So. Big deal. Big what do you mean, do you mean he didn't make it? I'm sure he was involved in the process of picking these grape varieties and putting oh, them yeah. together. You think oh, he's yeah. stopping the grapes there, Skeets? Well, Lee just told me he's so into wine. I, I've seen stories about that too. Yeah, I'm assuming he had some say in this. I mean, 
it's no different than a you know LeBron making another Nike sneaker. I'm sure he has some say. It's not like he's making the damn. Yeah, sneaker. but he also plays in basketball yeah. sneakers. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. Good counter to that. Now, well, JD. Now, JD. This this pinwa is apparently smooth, mm-hmm. and it features a taste of cedar and cherry. Does Ooh. that interest you, JD? It does interest me. I would yeah. like to try it, but I'm. I hate to say it, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm with Lee on this one. Fifty bucks is too much for a bottle. Of wine. Okay, don't quote me on the fifty dollars, guys. Like I, th- I think I saw that somewhere, but I, now, now I feel bad if it's not. Maybe it is twenty five ninety nine for all I know. But okay. Yeah, well, hey, I'll try it. I will definitely okay. try it. Okay. Uh, Lee, you mentioned that uh, CJ is not an established name in the winemaking game, mm-hmm. but. Uh, Skeets listed a whole bunch of players who do have yeah. their wines out previously. Who would you take advice from uh, that's in the NBA on which wines you should be drinking? Greg Popovich, for sure, right. because uh, he's the big wino. And uh, every time he goes out, he likes to make sure they get a good quality wine. Now, he can afford it. He's been around the wine game forever. So, yeah, Popovich knows wine. In fact, when he was in Melbourne... Uh, for the uh, Team USA versus Australians, I asked him if he'd uh, sampled any good wines out there, and he said not yet, but he uh, he knows that Melbourne has a good wine history. So, mm-hmm. you know, Pop knows his stuff. And, uh, you know, look, Dwayne Wade, he's he's out there right now, which is great, but he had that little public here, the, the public relations thing there with Aaron uh, Gordon, which I think was planted. So he's trying to break <laughs> in. That's what CJ needs. He needs some sort of little viral moment if he wants to get his wine out there. Selling it for 50 bucks? <laughs> not also, sure. Not oh, sure. wow. So maybe he should like manufacture a beef with his own teammate who does yeah. write rap uh, lyrics. Ah, and there Lillard. you go. There wow. you go. Honestly, he could start beefing with us if he wants to. We beat him for a Webby already this year, yeah. and now Lee's just trashing his wine. Come on, pull up, CJ. We're right here. We're gonna smash bottles of wine. Yeah, let's make a video of us smashing his fifty dollars bottle of wine. Call him oh, out. Yeah. Or oh, we just make our own wine. What about that? Mm. Okay. Yeah. What are we calling that, Lee? What are you? Hmm, no vines. Yeah, nah, not really. Uh, Pinot dunks. Yeah. <laughs> Pinot dunks, all right. Pinot white. <laughs> Jay, uh, or, I, uh, I meant to ask Lee. Lee, do you have a favorite type of wine? Well, you know, I like a, uh, a Malbec. Um, that's probably my favorite. But, and, and the thing is with Malbecs, you can get those for like, you know, 10 bucks or you can spend like 38 bucks on one if you want. So <laughs> I, I'm around, I like to spend around 16 to $17 on my okay. Malbec. You yep. know, I don't like to just go for the dirt cheap one. But I, I, I just, anytime I'm with JD and we're having a dinner, I like JD to select the wine and we, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And we get through it, you know. So um, <laughs> that, see, that, that's where it comes into it because I trust JD's. I trust JD's wine uh, intelligence and oh, knowledge. Uh, and, I don't uh, know why. My wine taste is like my beer taste. I like the yellow beer. Just give me the yellow one. And it's usually whatever. Molson yeah, Day but it's, it, something. it's something about the atmosphere and the ambience there with you, JD. It's like, JD, you take the wine. You know, I'm going to enjoy it. You know, mm. So that's what, that's what drinking wine is about. It's not just the wine. It's, it's the environment you're in when you're having it. You're 100% right. It's the experience of it. All right. Well, good luck to CJ on his new wine partnership. That's big. All right, next one. The Oklahoma City Thunder have finally signed guard Lou Dort to a multi-year contract. According to ESPN's Royce Young, the deal is for $5.4 million over four years. First year covers 1920 season, while 2021 is fully guaranteed for just over $1.5 million. And then the next two years are like $1.8, $1.9 million. They're partially guaranteed. 
up or down though on Dort's deal, which I just love to say for OKC. I'll get it started uh, because he is Canadian and I would love to play the homework card here as we approach July 1st, Canada Day. Big thumbs up for Dort um, getting this. I think OKC is getting him at quite the deal, actually. Um, this guy was undrafted, if you don't know, after one year at Arizona State. Started his career in the G League, played well for uh, the Blue, um, Oklahoma City's uh, G League team. Got the call up, and then he was sort of like seen as a bit of a defensive spark plug off the bench. I know when you think of like a sixth man, a seventh man, an eighth man coming in, you think like, oh, go get his buckets. But he was sort of like, put him in there and put him on the better players, and he can do a good job of hanging with them. And then he earned a starting spot and started 21 of his 29 games. He's been in the uh, in the big leagues, and they went 16-5 and in those games. And he had a hell of an impact, again, especially defensively. Um, still has to work on his three-point shot and his offensive game, but good for him, man. The guy's making like $80,000 on a two-way deal, and now he's, you know, he's a millionaire and a well-deserved millionaire, and he's Canadian, as I said. So big <laughs> thumbs up from me. Anybody want to go thumbs down on Dort? I wonder if he could have made more money if he if he hung out until free agency. Um, it sure feels like he could. That being said, it's a steal for OKC, and yeah, yeah. he's he, you. When you watch a game with OKC, you notice Lou Dort, um, yep. even if he's not scoring because he's doing so much. It, it's great for him to play around guys who handle the ball and score, like Chris Paul and Shea Gilgis Alexander. He doesn't have to do that. He doesn't need to do that to make an impact, and he's. Just, stolen Andre Robertson's job it feels like um big time mm, and right. that's his and it's a lot cheaper than uh, Andre Robertson was so yeah congrats big big congrats to him yeah great deal for the Thunder uh tiny little deal but I mean it's life-changing money for Lou Dort which is awesome and this guy could not be more of a Thunder player he's a plus athlete a great defender and like you said Skeets he's got to work on that shot that has been the definition of wings for the Oklahoma yeah. City Thunder basically as long as Sam Presti has been there also guaranteed for next season, $1.5 million. That's nice, but I was kind of like you, Tess. What is up with Andre Robertson? Are we ever going to see him again in the NBA? That's a good question. Yeah, it it doesn't look good. It doesn't yeah. look good that he uh, just wasn't able to get back at all this season and missed what, most mm-hmm. of last season too. So, um, yeah, that's. Uh, I, I, I'll be very surprised if we see him have any significant role in the NBA anymore. Just, just can't see him getting back out on the floor and, and being able to stay there. Also, Lou Dort, unbelievable name, but to me it feels like an old name. So when I say it, I think that Lou Dort is like 26, 27, 28, you know, okay, old, but in NBA terms, like, but he's not. This guy's a really young guy. In fact, anytime I do this now on Basketball Reference, guys, like I go to a guy's page and you see that he was born April 19th, 1999. It's like, wow. Oh my God. He's only 21 years old. (laughs) <laughs> He's young. Dort's got a hopefully a, you know a long career ahead of him. And uh, again, congrats to him. It's like a, I saw I saw Giannis Tetacumpo retweet a highlight reel of Vince Carter last night with some flame emojis. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to me, I'm guessing because he he's not a basketball historian, as he said. I think he was seeing a lot of those Toronto Raptors dunks for the first time because he was born in 1994. He was six seven um, when when Vince was right. thrown down. Right. And so he's like, whoa, this guy was awesome on, on an SD television, as Trey pointed out, in, in the late 90s, early 2000s. But Vince still looked good, even in that grainy footage. Next one here. Paul George revealed on the Knuckleheads podcast 
that he briefly considered staying with the Indiana Pacers in 2017, but management screwed it all up. Quote, this is Paul George. I ain't going to say the names because I'm going to keep their business private. I'm going to just say it like this. I had at the time the best power forward saying he wanted to come to Indy and team up with me. End quote. The problem, PG said, was that Indy was not willing to pay out to get that player and that the risk was too damn high, just like the rent. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, Paul George, he loves to, at times, live in the past and talk about his Pacers days. So are you up or down on the latest Paul George Pacers story here, Tass? I'm up. He's giving us the NBA juice. These are our stories. These are our soap operas that we're looking forward to. And I know people want the details. Was he lying? Who was it? Who was it? But I don't think he's making it up. I just don't think he's he's just coming up with this from thin air. He probably didn't have it in writing from this power forward superstar that he was coming. But I think he had... Uh, a verbal commitment, and and that's that. I, it, the Pacers did want to move on at that point from whatever the heck they were doing with Paul George as their guy. Paul George kind of wanted to move on too. Uh, I mean, maybe that pissed him off, um, and that's what led him to move on. But I, I I'm good with it because it's a bit of a soap opera, and I think there's a a little nugget of truth to it. And yes, who was the mystery best power forward? Was it Anthony Davis? I would think so. Right. Yeah, that seems to be the general consensus that it was Anthony Davis. And this was in 2017. And as you will remember, Anthony Davis wasn't actually traded during 2017, despite the fact that he was certainly out there as a trade candidate. It was another two years later. There's no way that the Pacers were going to gut their team to get Anthony Davis, even if there was some sort of deal between these guys. Um, But... I don't know. To me, you know, following a few Indiana Pacers fans on Twitter, it just makes it seem like this, that Paul George is the new Scottie Pippen. He's a great two-way player, very smooth, probably better suited as a number two. And if you don't like the answer he gives you to a question one day, just wait, because there's another answer coming. You know, Paul George has said that he tried to work his way to San Antonio before. He said that there was a deal in place for him to be going to Cleveland before. There's a lot of things that Paul George has said about how he left the Pacers. And Paul George usually comes out looking pretty good in all those stories. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Lee? Yeah, it's weird that he's just going back into it, I think. It's like he's moved on. He's on his second team since Indiana. And uh, I think everyone else has just kind of moved on. It's like, all right. Yeah, well, he's left. asked about it on a podcast. Yeah, yeah. But it's like, I mean, it's in the past now. So move on. I mean, it's one of those things I'm like, uh, yeah, who cares? doesn't really matter, man. I don't think you were ever getting Anthony Davis. So, um, so. <sighs> Who cares, really? <laughs> it, was you know, fun. it was fun for a second trying to figure out maybe who it was. Yeah. Like, there was a lot of Blake Griffin talk, and I think LaMarcus Aldridge's name was being thrown around, and that part was fun. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why. It's like, ooh, who is he talking about? Who is he talking about? Okay, so you're down on it, Lee. Yeah, I'm, I'm down. I mean, Paul George has a bit of a Derek Rose, too, where he sort of sort of talks a little bit too much sometimes, I think. Gets himself uh, in trouble, you think? Yeah, I think so. I think so. But, I mean, I, I think he moved on, and uh, he's in a good spot right now. So just be happy, Paul. You're in You're in L.A. You're a chance to win a championship. You ultimately got into a position you want to be in on a team that's a serious title contender. He must be a good partner for a fishing trip. He must have got a lot of stories in that. Oh bag. yeah, yeah, yeah. You're casting out there on the boat. Tell me about the. Tell me about that time you almost had Anthony Davis on the Pacers. <laughs> oh yeah, let me tell you, Skeets. Let me tell you. You know another cast. Oh yeah. I don't know. I'm like miming fishing right now in my office. Oh yeah, feels good. Yeah. What actually. was the. Uh, psh- 
noise? Was that your lure um, hitting the lake? Yeah, no, that was me casting out. Oh, okay, okay. So I guess it should have been more. <laughs> that, was, that was it dropping in the water. I've been watching a lot of um, Alone. Have you guys watched the show on Netflix yet? No. Oh, JD. You might want to dip into this one. Have you heard about this? No. It's called Alone? Yeah, so apparently it's like, I think it's up to seven seasons. So I don't know how the hell, you know, I hadn't heard of it. And I didn't think a lot of people had at least until the last little while. But season six is on Netflix. And it is, it's, it is what it's called. It's called Alone for a reason. They give 10 people camera equipment. And then they basically leave them to survive in, well, this season is in like Arctic Canada. and it's pretty amazing like they drop them off basically in the fall right before it turns like super super cold and the premise is last as long as you can but they are given like a couple supplies right like they get to pick what they want to bring so they like build their own shelter they hunt for their own food um it's amazing and then they film the whole thing right and when you don't when you're done like either because you're starving or something's happened you've injured yourself whatever reason you miss your family you just like call for a pickup and you just like wave the white flag basically wow yeah and it's these people are like and like they're not picking like joe schmo they're not putting me out there Um, (laughs) you know they are like you got to survive uh like these are survivalists i'm looking at a picture of the cast of this season it's amazing man badass Uh, it's amazing (laughs) this guy on season six i don't want to give it away i don't want to spoil it because i think some of you actually will watch it definitely uh, listening and and yeah so i I would suggest season six because it's on netflix but i think all the other seasons are on the history channel um if you get that on demand anyway uh yeah fishing cool all right next (laughs) one I mentioned uh, on this week's Beach Steppin' podcast that I was listening to the audiobook of Dr. Kendi's Stamped from the Beginning, uh, The Definitive History of Racist Ideas in America. Highly recommend it. Um, and I quickly wondered whether listening to an audiobook was the same as reading the text. You know, if I listened to it, can I say I read the book? And there was a little disagreement slipped in that podcast between the boys, between you guys. And that spilled over onto Twitter on Thursday when our friend Amir Blumenfeld, he brought it up to his comedian friend, Ben Schwartz. Um, Amir, by the way, subtweeted the hell out of me with that tweet, and I caught him. <laughs> I caught him red-handed. And he, and he owned up to it. He, he heard it on the podcast. But I want to get your definitive takes, guys, thumbs up or thumbs down, on listening to an audiobook, counting as reading, you know, I throw that in air quotes, reading that book. Is it the same? Trey, what do you think? Get us started here. Listening to an audiobook, the result is the same as reading an audiobook. So when you say, I listened to an audiobook, you can also say you read it, as far as I'm concerned. The experience, no doubt, is different. Reading is way more active, right? You're looking at the words, and the words are translating to words inside your brain. When you're listening, it's very passive. You can be doing other things when you're listening, but the words they're still going into your brain. They're still wrinkling that thing up with knowledge. It's kind of like, is dancing to music the same as listening to music? Yeah, you're still getting the music in you. There's just a physical component to it. Hey, uh, Skeets, what did you say Amir said? He said he heard it on the podcast. Uh, yeah, he did. He didn't read it on the podcast, did he? Well, no, he didn't read it on the podcast, no. Yeah, that's where I'm down on it because uh, <laughs> Wait, you can't, you know, no one ever says, oh, did you read that podcast the other day? Oh, that was great. Yeah, I couldn't put it down. No, you listened they to it. They have podcast transcripts whoa, 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 out there, Whoa, 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 whoa. I yeah, just but- read David Aldridge had a podcast, him and Waz, <laughs> with Nick Nurse, and David Aldridge turned that into an article 
um, where I read a lot of things Nick Nurse said on the podcast. Right, so, but you yeah. but you you read his article and you yeah. listened to his podcast. Okay, I mean, they were they were not word for word identical. Yeah. Is the difference? Yes, it, that's true. It, the thing the thing is when you're reading something, you just absorb a whole lot more of it, I think, than when you're listening. Because as Trey said, you can often you know you might be distracted, you might be doing the house cleaning or something like that. Whereas if you're reading, you tend to be more focused on the article, whatever it is you're reading, and you're sort of trapped in that because you can't your eyes can't be diverted away, so your attention tends to stick. To the article yes, in my Yes, head. but the question is, if I listen to an audiobook of yeah. the same text, do, do I then get to say, yeah, I've read that book? No, because you didn't read it. No, you, listen you definitely to it. can. Because, no, you, yes. because it's going in your brain. And by the way, <laughs> I've sat there reading a book, quote unquote reading a book, and staring at the same word for 25 minutes. Oh, yeah. Right. You know, so you can just as easily daydream and and i've actually read full pages without like what the hell did i just read i have no idea but my eyes were moving across the page so what do you do then i listen to an audiobook uh, if i feel like it and when i do i say i read that book yes i did read war and peace let's discuss it i can still discuss it is it a bit of a white lie yes maybe but the the information is going in and there's certain books that i would never get through like I read all of Stieg Larsson's books. That's the uh, the the girl with the dragon tattoo. Yeah, um, and I listened to that. I started reading the paper. I could not get past the names. I I focus on a word or a name that I don't know the pronunciation, and I just start. I just go off into Never Neverland. I I never finish books th- that way. So, but but listening to it, the pronunciation is perfect, and I just roll right through. And I read. <laughs> I blasted through those three books. See, I'm not disputing that sometimes when you're reading, you you know, your mind wanders, but you tend to go back and reread it because you're like, I wasn't paying attention then, so I had to reread it. It's not like you just skip over it, mm. you know? You're like, oh, I need to read that because... You ever heard of rewinding, to... mate? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, Lee, yeah, I, got an interesting, I got an interesting one for you. I know you're a fan, of course, of The Office, the original UK version, right? David Brent. Mm. I, at one point, I love the show too, I actually bought the scripts for the show, like season one and season two. The entire scripts are in these books. Now, if I had never watched the show on television, but I read the scripts, okay? I read word for word what they say in this show. Mm. Could I say that I watched The Office or no? (laughs) No, no, of course not. Because you're reading the scripts, but you can't see the characters and how they present their their lines and how they say their lines and how they act. I mean, that's part of it. Okay, let me ask you this then. What if I put on The Office, I muted it, but I put on closed captioning and I watched it and I read, I read the words and I did watch it with my eyes, which you want me to do. Um, Have I now watched The Office? Not really, because it's not the full watching experience, (laughs) is it? I mean, you you need to hear the characters' voices and their accents and their tones and their delivery. I mean, that's how you need to watch it, don't you? Like, you can't just say, well, there's Gareth. Well, that's interesting you say that, because in audiobook, I actually get that experience. Getting that tone. You can get some character, uh, you know, voices and stuff like that, depending on the book you're reading. Yeah, but you're still listening. You're still listening, you know? You're not reading. I mean, it's... It's just, I, 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 like I say, I just find, you know, no one says, hey, man, did you read that podcast? You listen to it. 
Tass, really? what do you what do you think? I mean, I did see you tweet um, that sounded like you were in agreement with Amir that you that you know you disagree with JD and Trey and, and myself that no, if you listen to an audiobook, that's not the same as reading that book. It's not the same. It is absolutely not the same. You okay. just don't. Either like, like Trey said about the the old brain, whatever synapses are happening in there, whatever wrinkling is happening in there. It wrinkles differently. Other <laughs> synapses are firing differently when the eyes are reading those words off the page. That being said, I, I'm starting to listen to audiobooks because I, I too, like JD, I'm off in Never Neverland. My eyes just start wandering um, when I'm listening to a, a book that I'm reading. What uh, when I'm when I'm listen, when I'm reading? And so I, I'm starting to listen to audiobooks. I'm the the book that I, I mentioned. Our Time Is Now by Stacey Abrams, thought I would hate listening to it. But I think the quality also of, of the production of these audiobooks oh, is yeah. fantastic right now. And, and they put a lot of work into the voiceovers, so I am really enjoying it. But my brain's not wrinkling the same as if I was reading it. So I, it's just, it's, 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 it's a different experience. Uh, I, I am with Lee. I'm, I'm not, you're not reading this podcast right now, are you? You're tuning out. I, I watch... I watch, but when I watch television and I'm zoned out, did I watch the TV? Did I watch that show? Mm. No, because I didn't watch I don't, it. I don't <laughs> like this podcast analogy because yeah. there's no written script of our That's right. podcast. If there was, then then maybe okay, but there isn't. So you can't actually, cons- you can't consume this podcast in a different way outside of well, listening you could, right, it's right now. Transcribed, audio zing is transcribing it somewhere. It's, oh, okay. It's, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean, it's, it's offered... It, a book is offered in different mediums. It's offered as a physical book, a Kindle version, and the audio book. It's just three different ways of reading it. If somebody read it on a Kindle, you say, hey, did you read War and Peace? Yeah, well, well, I read the Kindle. Well, you didn't read the book then. You, <laughs> right. need, to pay, you need the tactile pages in front of you, the, turning the pages and stuff. It's just, why, why get bogged down with that? Is it reading a book if you listen to the audio book while also having the hard copy and turning the pages <laughs> right. along with it? That is ultimate reading. That's super reading. Yeah, for sure. Because, like, I just keep thinking, Tass, you're reading, what's it called? Our Time Is Now, right? Stacey mm-hmm. Abrams. Okay, five years from now, we're around a campfire and somebody brings up the book and says, uh, has anybody read that? I just want to know. I guess you're saying you would say, I didn't read it, but I listened to the audiobook, right? Right? You just wouldn't say I read it. Yeah, I feel like a lie, I guess. It would feel like a lie. I think it it comes down to the way a person learns as well. I'm I'm a visual Mm. person, Mm. so I Mm. feel so different Mm. seeing something than than listening to it. Um, But yeah, I I don't know. When when someone would say that around the campfire, the right part of my brain would twitch uh, because. (laughs) I, that's how I ingested it, audio-wise. That's what my, that's the right part of my brain. But if I had read it, the left part of my brain would twitch. I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying. But um, the point just is, just get him a spider dog. <laughs> get this guy a spider hey, just dog. Just pass me a s'more and shut the hell up. Excuse me. <laughs> um, and by the way, yeah. And by the way, we were around that fire because we were just on a fishing trip. <laughs> I love I love reading books like traditionally but who's got the time to sit down and read a book i don't oh, have the man. time man i gotta walk when i'm walking that dog i'm listening to, right. to books 
You know. Now, right now, JD, you don't have the time to read a book, man. You'd be surprised. <laughs> You're man. skateboarding out there. Yeah, <laughs> and man. I'm listening to books while I'm doing it. Wow. <laughs> Listen, if you can read a book and skateboard at the same time, JD, then uh, then that I take back everything. I'll say whatever you do is right. <laughs> he's actually listening to a book telling him how to skateboard yeah, while he's doing it. Yeah. And he's just uh, putting it into practice right there. All right, that's a fun one. Let's hear from you guys on that one out there. I think... Uh, People have a strong opinion about this. Is listening to the audiobook, does it count the same as reading that book? That's that's really what the question is. All right. Next one, according to Woj, the New York Knicks have hired William Wesley as an executive vice president slash senior basketball advisor. Worldwide West, as he's known in basketball circles, has been a consultant in the coaching division of CAA for 13 years, the agency. He has a long professional and personal relationship with new Knicks president, Leon Rose. Let's start with Lee. You love the Knicks. You're on the payroll. Are you up or down on the Knicks hiring worldwide West? Uh, down. They hired the wrong worldwide. They've got to go with Wob if they want to improve their branding. Well, I mean, second Wob, name drop for Wob on this podcast. Wob is very well known in the basketball Twitter world, and I think he would be a better signing for the Knicks. I mean, it seems a little bit too close to Leon Rose. I know they've got a good relationship, and um, I think that's a little bit dangerous if you're hiring friends to come on and, and his role is a little hard to define right now exactly what it is um but being close to tom thibodeau is great for tibbs so mm-hmm. it sort of seems like uh that now would be is almost a done deal that that tibbs is going to the knicks um if you're going to hire the guy who knows him quite well so i'm not exactly sure what he's going to do for the knicks that's that's my 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 uh question consult, right now man exactly what does that mean what does that mean for the knicks a team that's it's just really- like you know Worldwide West gets his name from Worldwide Wob. He knows everybody, just like <laughs> Wob does on the internet. But he knows the people that work inside the NBA. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I'm not. Yeah. Okay. Good for the Knicks, I guess, if they think he can bring in someone who's going to be um, uh, objective. I think that's the real thing here for the Knicks. They need people who can come in there and not be swayed just by friends or influenced by friends. They've got to have people who actually can make right, good, smart decisions that are going to help the team because the team's been a disaster on and off the court for years now. I don't know yeah. if this is uh, an endorsement or not, but Larry Brown just told the Daily News that uh, he thinks William Wesley is the right guy. He trusted him. He said, quote, I hired guys that Wes asked me to hire in college, and I hit a home run with everybody he recommended. So, yeah, and I know Stephen Marbury disagreed with this hiring. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said the exact opposite. Um, didn't think highly, I don't think, of maybe Rose and Wes being there. But yeah, sorry, Tass, what were you going to say? Is Larry, who is Larry Brown hiring? Coaches? Is that yeah, I guess so. I mean, I'm sure he's still in the college game or was at the time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I just, uh, so he's, he's in the coaching game. I, I, I'm with Lee that I thought they'd hire more of a, a guy who's had experience picking players and, and more of an executive uh, on the NBA front, he knows absolutely everybody. It's totally true, but so does Leon Rose. Uh, and so I thought there'd be, you know, maybe a bit of a divide. This is just too much of a family fair again with the Knicks. It, you know, it's 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 it just feels like the same thing over again. Hey, let's let's a little nepotism. Let's hire my bud. They've known each other for forty years. He's also good friends with James Dolan. Scott Perry is still around. Like it just seems like the same old thing happening again. So now the basketball decisions, I think, are going to, like as far as player personnel, are going to hang on Leon Rose a lot, who was an agent, sure, but now he's conducting his first coaching search, his first draft. Uh, it's, I, I just don't, I, I don't think it, hiring Worldwide West in a vacuum, fine, um, but but it just, 
It's too much of a family affair. The only thing I like about it is that you can call him Fresh West because that's how they used to call him. That's what his, his name was a long time ago. Mm. And uh, we just talked Lou Dort. Let's go back to Canada, Maestro Fresh West. If, if he is, if West pulls it out and is great, call him a maestro. Call him Maestro Fresh West. That's what I like about it. But otherwise, I'm, uh, I'm kind of, kind of ambival- ambivalent until these guys start pulling some great moves. But I'm, I just I don't have a lot of faith. Let your backcourt slide. <laughs> um, Trey, what do, you, what do you think about this? Seems like a Knicks move to me. You know, both Leon Rose and World Wide West are huge names who were probably at their peak a little bit ago, right? Like probably around the turn of the decade, maybe around the 2010, something like that. But I don't know. At least they are outside of the organization and are well-respected and well-connected in the league. I think that can only help. But again, we'll see once they actually start doing anything, if they're allowed to be the guys who are doing stuff or if it's still coming from on high. I'm up on this just because... I'm excited to see this, um, you know, NBA broker, whatever you want to call him, in World Wide West, uh, a guy that has just always seemed to move in the shadows, right, a little bit. I'm sort of excited to see him now put into the spotlight, especially in New York City with the Knicks franchise of all franchises. So uh, I'm just excited to see how this unfolds. But I hear all your concerns as well. We got a lot more up-down topics to throw some thumbs on, but first, a quick word from our sponsor. As the weather gets warmer, there's nothing more important than chilling out. You gotta keep your vibes right. That's why I'm here to talk to you today about Sunday Scaries. Sunday Scaries are specially formulated CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that are super consumable and easy to take on the go. The specially formulated CBD products with vitamins can help in all sorts of ways. We're talking about decompressing, relaxing, concentrating on what matters, quieting your mind, and of course, chilling out. Y'all know I love to keep it chill, and that's why I really like the Vegan AF gummies from Sunday Scaries. They're sour, they taste incredible, and yeah, they keep you chill. Sunday Scaries has become a leading CBD brand for millennials. Last year, Sunday Scaries CBD gummies and CBD oil won top accolades from Forbes, Men's Health, Allure, and Best Products. Sunday Scaries also recently launched Cabin Scaries to promote social distancing and responsible isolation. A portion of sales will be donated to BEAP, that's the Bartender Emergency Assistance Program to help displaced hospitality workers. You can get 25% off your first order with the code NODUNKS at sundayscaries.com. That's 25% off your first order at sundayscaries.com when you enter the code NODUNKS where it asks for a coupon on the checkout page. Find out what product might be the best for you by going to sundayscaries.com and using code NODUNKS. Keep it chill, baby. Okay, our next one. Sources say that the official NBA schedule will release later tonight here on Friday, so we'll find out the seeding games at least. But Magic CEO Alex Martins told Orange County officials on Wednesday that games will be played, quote, all day long inside three arenas at Disney when the season restarts. Keith Smith added that the NBA's first game is expected to start in the early afternoon with the subsequent game staggered after two-hour cleaning periods. Up or down? Tass, will go to you first. Up or down on the NBA restart? Again, reportedly, playing games all day long. All day long. All day. <laughs> all they, day. They better be. Yeah, I'm up. <laughs> we're, we're all home. 
Of course they they better be played during the day. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm huge thumbs up. I don't know how you can really be thumbs down. Are we going to wait all day long to turn on games at night? It, it, listen, it, just, just go back to the experience when you were reading World Cup soccer games during the day. Okay, mm. you're watching them. You remember when we, you could turn on a television during the day or NCAA games during the day? Doesn't get much better than that. Yeah, weekday sports rule, and we're going to have a chance to watch. Uh, sorry, read them. We're going to have a chance to read them on our televisions. Uh, and, you know, I'm excited for the podcast possibilities. I mean, are we, we're going to have little blocks of games, it feels like. Maybe we uh, break up Ooh. our talks as well. Block talks. Huh. Yeah, the, I mean, it feels like they're going to just sort of roll one into the other, like, all day long. But you are right. Maybe there's a... Maybe there's a late night no dunks on the table here. Ooh, bubble wrap. Uh, sort of re- bubble wrap. <laughs> oh, that's good. Oh, that's very good. Uh, Lee, what do you think about this? Games all day. Yeah, as long as the games, uh, there's no 10 o'clock tip-offs, I'm definitely, <laughs> definitely up for this. So uh, hopefully we're there, that we can wrap them up. We can do a little pod and I can get to bed on time. So yeah, definitely up for this. You you say that now, but ta- or Lee, you're a real outdoorsman, man. You're not fishing, but you like being outdoors, shooting your basketball with, mm. the, with the boys, riding your scooters. Like Yeah. This is going to throw a kink in those plans if you've got a lot of games to watch during the day. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, one of them might be in school, I guess, for... Uh, for the, for the day when things start up again around oh you know they're doing school August. down here well uh, <laughs> to be determined who knows okay. really but uh, okay. yeah i mean that's fine it's it, it's like the playoffs that the first couple of weekends of the nba playoffs you know you just have to manage your time maybe pick the one game that you want to watch and maybe skip out on one that you don't want to watch and catch later so uh you You're know it's already all... planning on skipping games after three and a half months <laughs> off well are you are you going to be this watching this are you watching the suns versus the uh who are they playing uh, yeah man i am <laughs> I'll be skipping out on those games. I mean, I want to watch the quality games. Um, I wouldn't keep your hopes up too about being no late games. I remember seeing a report that there, in theory, will be still like late starts because of, of course, you know, fans of the teams on the West Coast wanting to yeah. be able to, to watch their teams. But then again, maybe it wouldn't matter if basically everybody's still at home anyway, and you could put it yeah. on any point of the day i don't know we'll, we'll see the schedule later tonight on friday i guess plus those two hour windows of cleaning as you said skeets between mm-hmm. games it's gonna it's gonna delay the games as well push them back yeah i, I guess they'll probably get it down to uh you know quite a quite a science in terms of how quickly they can maybe do it or efficiently they can do it um mm-hmm. but you're right i don't know you got to make it seem like it's super clean. So even if you're done in 45 minutes, I think you just wait the other hour. For the just sort of a wander around with like a little yeah. rag. Yeah, sort of kill kill another hour 15. And I'll just wipe that again. Yeah, possibly. All right, next one's a little interesting here. Draymond Green. He praised LeBron James on first take this week, calling Braun, quote, arguably the greatest player of all time. And he did it all while wearing a clutch sports t-shirt. Up or down, uh, Tass, on Draymond's goat comments for LeBron there. I'm up. I think Draymond Green is growing up uh, during this quarantine. He's able to call a guy he played against over and over and over in the finals a goat, a guy he punched in the undercarriage. Um, usually he's a, he's a guy who likes to verbally spar like he did about Charles Barkley when he claimed that he was basically as good a player as Charles Barkley. That ain't true. Uh, but um, that's usually his tact. And I think I think not only, I, I, not only is he growing up just sort of in terms of uh, – the way he looks at LeBron, but I think the way he looks at the world. He's been doing a lot for NCAA players getting paid, and he's uh, he's actually working with U.S. Senator Chris Murphy 
of Connecticut on that, on making sure NCAA players get paid. Zach Lowe wrote about it on ESPN. And so I think not only um, is he is he talking about the basketball side of things with LeBron, but I think he really appreciates the, the social awareness that LeBron has taking care of children, putting them into, uh, into college, um, in his school there in Ohio, everything he's doing now with more than a vote. This initiative that's that's been published about this media company um, that he's he's got behind about black producers and black creators. So I think Draymond understands that everything's a little bit bigger than basketball right now. So he appreciates what LeBron's doing, and and uh, and I think he's he's respecting his game as well. So I don't know. I, I'm just assuming that Draymond Green uh, all of a sudden grew up. Yeah, unfortunately for Draymond, he got uh, headlined pretty hard here because, you know, the main uh, the main line coming out of this was that LeBron's the GOAT because his resume is flawless. And everybody's like, um, excuse me? Uh, I remember watching LeBron have flawed moments during his NBA career. But then once you dig into it a little bit deeper, it's exactly like Tass is saying. The on-court production is incredible. It puts him at least in the category of uh, uh, the NBA's greatest of all time. But the off-court stuff is even more so what Draymond is talking about. The school, yeah. the donations he's made, the demonstrations he's been a part of, fighting voter suppression, everything that Tass mentioned, that stuff does give him an incredible case for being uh, the greatest of all time amongst NBA players, especially off the court. Yeah, and I'll just add to that for the for the on-court stuff. I mean, Draymond never played against Michael, and it's understandable why he would think LeBron is the best player, too, of all time, because he's gone against him so many times in the finals. They've had great battles, and he understands just how good he is and how much he's carried sometimes those bad teams because of just how good LeBron is. So certainly the off-court stuff is uh, is, is incredibly significant and, and, and so admirable for what LeBron is doing, taking a lead in so many of those areas. Um, and, and so there's no question why Draymond thinks he's the GOAT there and, uh, and on the on-court stuff as well. I mean, you know, players who never played against Michael Jordan, I would, I'm sure will have a, a bias towards the player that they thought was the best during their generation. So, right, um, right. you know, in, in that sense, uh, it's totally understandable why Draymond thinks that and, uh, and, and you know, gives LeBron that sort of, um, that sort of vote. All right, we got a few more here. That's some silly ones. This one, very silly. I'm just going to straight up ask it, all right? Are you up or down on Crocs? <laughs> yeah, I'm talking about Crocs, those foam clog shoes. Um, they're still a thing. I know they're still a thing because I think Trey Kirby recently got a pair. I saw you in a pair at least, Trey. Am I, am I right? That's right. If you would have asked me any year up until 2020 if I'm up or down on Crocs, I'm going hard down. Right. But Crocs are the official shoe of the quarantine, unfortunately. <laughs> Mine are um, technically Merrells. They look like Crocs that started to melt. Uh, but you need to have a water shoe for this summer. You need to have something you don't worry about at all that you can just throw on and wear anywhere. I got my first pair of Crocs, and one of my buddies who's been wearing them for years is like, oh, you're going to be so happy, man. You can wear those into the creek or to church. <laughs> <laughs> so, you're, so you're liking them? I'm loving it. Uh, you know, when I want to class it up a little bit, I'll throw on a pair of socks. You can see my tie-dyes through my holes. But if I'm keeping it cool, just let those dogs breathe. And yeah, I know what you're thinking. You can see how tiny my foot is through the holes. But they're just made a little big. They tell you to size down a full size. I only went down a half size. And yeah, it looks ridiculous. Can you remind me, are yours like, uh, I don't know, like camouflage colors? Or am I crazy? Am I yeah, like- they're like a, they're like an like an olive a couple of different olive greens i guess you would call them camouflage but uh the only real problem i have with it is that i've got uh 
this is not going to surprise anybody. I have a tiny pinky toe. Like, it's absurdly <laughs> small. I feel like I'm missing a, <laughs> a knuckle from it. And every once in a while when I'm walking, it'll pop through one of the holes on the top. <laughs> Looks like a kid sticking their head through a sunroof just riding around. Okay, Lee, what do you think about Crocs, up or down? I've never owned a pair because they always look to me like they are so plasticky that they would really rub your feet and give you blisters all the time. So I'm sort of just, I'm, I'm like afraid to even try them. But I think Trey, I think Trey can rock them for sure. So I'm fine with the right person rocking them. I just don't think I'll join the croc craze. Yeah, that's the thing. This is the problem with any of these fashion things we ask. Trey is like one of the rare exceptions that can just wear all of this stuff and it for whatever reason works. But Crocs are ugly as f and they look brutal <laughs> on 99% of people. So that's why I'm down and it angers me that Trey could somehow pull them off. But nobody else really can. They're not a good look. It's not a flattering look. Oh, come okay? on, Skeetsy. I saw a picture of you. You're working on your garden. You got on a pair of Harachis and socks. Throw on some Crocs, dog. I, it's easy. <laughs> Harachis and socks. I'm wearing my Crocs. There you go, Lillard. That's free for you. Put that one in your next bar. Um, no, these are just... They're just the ultimate... Yeah, the ultimate giving up on life. Like, you might as well throw a moo-moo on if you're wearing Crocs, in my opinion. So uh, Well, that's funny you mentioned, because I just said to Laura the other night, I'm like, man, I really wish we still had that giant nightgown with a picture of a dog on it. <laughs> Come on. Right, hey, guys. man, I've given up. You're right. This is the shoe of giving up. Yeah. For yes. me, the most effort I'm putting into getting dressed most days is tucking my shirt into my elastic-waisted pants. Tess, what do you think about Crocs? You got some? You wear them? Well, no, I, but I've got my own version of Crocs that I'm pretty pretty pumped about. I mean, uh, I, like Trey's buddy said, uh, you can wear them anywhere. I've I've kind of needed a shoe like that. I've been looking for a shoe like that. I'm a Birkenstock man, um, but you don't want to get Birkenstocks wet. But right, right, right. but they have a plastic Birkenstock now. Oh yeah. So mm. so I bought multiple pairs. Not to brag, uh, but I bought multiple <laughs> pairs of Birkenstocks to wear around the house, in my backyard, when I'm watering, whatever. Uh, they can get wet. So I'm happy with those. Um, they're, they're, not, they're not as comfortable as a Croc, got to be honest. Um, but they're made of plastic, so they can get wet. <laughs> and I'm, everybody's happy. <laughs> JD, what do you think about this? Weigh in on this. Uh, way down on Crocs. Uh, for the main reason, uh, my wife was trying to get me to get a pair of Crocs forever. She wears Crocs all over the damn place. Um, and she's like, they're the most comfortable shoe you can have, blah, 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 blah. And she finally got me a pair. And they're not comfortable. They're not comfortable at all. <laughs> oh. like, uh, it, it, they, so they're ugly and uncomfortable. <laughs> That's the charm. <laughs> so, yeah, right. I look ridiculous and I feel uncomfortable. Great. Yeah, but you could feel uncomfortable anywhere you want to. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I did cave on Birkenstocks, which I also find hideous. But I will say they're very comfortable. I, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm all in on Birkenstocks. Not sure about the, the plastic version, but you're right. I can't really get them wet, so... Hmm. I don't know, but now Tass, you're saying they're uncomfortable. So, well, they're not uncomfortable, but it's a it's a supportive shoe. You're not mm -hmm. going into a pillow like a Croc. You're <laughs> you're getting you're getting some arch support. You're getting a firmness, and you're getting those top straps. You're not you're not a uh, yeah walking on these pile of cushion Crocs. I don't, think, I don't I didn't find it cushiony. I don't find Crocs cushiony at I all. Think, I think Rachel bought you a 
fake Crocs. I mean, oh. No, no, no. No, she went to the Lenox Mall to the Croc store. Oh, official Croc mm-hmm. store. Mm-hmm. How so what's uncomfortable a... about them? I don't get no, it. No, I just, I, they didn't really fit well, my feet. Well, everybody's, uh, you know, the bottom of your feet is different for everybody. That's right. Yes, you know this. You work you're looking. <laughs> sounds like you're looking for a shoe. Sounds like you want something that's 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 holding your foot and you want an upper. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I just wear my flip-flops to the pool and my Birkenstocks everywhere else. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Thumbs up or thumbs down on Crocs, people. Tweet at us, at No Dunk Sink. All right, a couple more. Yeah, you might as well hit us with the baseball music on this one. It's happening, folks. Major League Baseball is going to have a 2020 season. Didn't look good there for a while, but the MLB and their Players Association agreed on Tuesday to a 60-game season after months of contentious negotiations. The shortened season includes multiple rule changes, which I won't list right this second, but we can get into if you want. But let's start with that short schedule. Tass, you're our baseball man here. Are you up or down on MLB playing just a 60-game season? I am down. It Mm. took way too long to come up with this, mainly for that (laughs) reason. You think the NBA's plan is haphazard? These MLBers, it was announced Wednesday that they came up with this plan, they have to report within a week, and then they start three games after that. Mm-hmm. That's a quick turnaround. The mm-hmm. NHL announced May 26th. That's a month ago. And then the players you know, have reported to their home city since. And, and, uh, and then they play in late July. That's a long window. NBA announced early June. They're starting after Major League Baseball. Again, the end of July. And, and the MLB will be traveling as well. It's not a bubble situation. How many cases uh, do you think these players are going to have when they get to their home cities? How much of a spring training 2.0 are these guys going to get? They basically have to play three weeks later. And guys in the NBA are now being tested. Actually, just news right now, the NBA reported 300 players have been tested, 302 exactly. 16 have tested positive, so a 5% rate. There's a window here for players to get quote-unquote healthy. And uh, obviously there's a debate about how long these players, uh, or the long-term effects, I should say, of of the the virus. That being said, they're going to have a training camp at the very least if they go down to Orlando. So I'm not sure what this MLB situation is going to look like. It's going to look haphazard. And maybe you don't even have to warm up to be a good baseball player. Maybe you don't need a real spring training (laughs) to be good. Uh, Maybe these guys will be, you know, come out flying out of the box. But... um, I'm not I'm not that positive about it whatsoever, especially because it's not a bubble situation, not even close to a bubble situation. I am up, however, you mentioned some of those rules, Skeets. Oh, I'm yeah. up on the extra innings plan. Yeah. Let me let me take you through a few of them because they are fun. The extra innings rule. Each inning after the ninth inning will start with a runner on second base. And that runner will be the batter in the lineup immediately preceding that inning's leadoff hitter. So that's, that's beer cool. league softball right there. Yeah. <laughs> um, pitchers can also use a wet rag to keep their fingers moist in lieu of licking their fingers. <laughs> I hadn't thought about that. And uh, we're also going to have a designated hitter in the National League task. Oh, my God. <laughs> and there's something else, too. Oh, like this new three-batter minimum rule, it does remain intact. So each relief pitcher must face at least three batters. Yeah, so those are some of the rules. I think there's a lot more, too. But well, that's I like rule? the extra innings, though. Yeah. Wow. I didn't yeah, even know yeah, that that, know that relief either. pitcher thing was a rule. Yeah, um, I guess so. Yeah, it is kind of gimmicky. The, the I think they're taking it out for the playoffs when they get to the, the postseason. Oh, but 
But yeah, let's say it's 60, 60 games. You got to be happy about that if you're a sort of a peripheral baseball fan. That's that's short. It's oh, a sprint. Yeah, that's what, that's why I'm up on. I'm like sixty games. I can follow that, no problem. <laughs> you know, cut out 102 games, and I'm right there. It's gonna be crazy to see somebody lead the league with 20 home runs, though. It's gonna be like playing in 1921. Yeah, it's. Uh, I also read that, like, if you went on like a seven game losing streak in a 60 game season, that would be the equivalent of a 19 game losing streak. Like, you know, pretty historically bad losing streak. So, like, you're right. Like. You cannot go on a bad like you 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 can't have worse than like a three or four game losing streak is what I'm getting at here or your chances of probably making the postseason are gone so maybe that will be exciting uh, I don't know I don't think I'll be watching all that much but <laughs> maybe I'll catch the highlights you know could somebody flirt with 400 what happens then would we count it oh, man mm-hmm. you tell me you tell me Lee what do you think yeah uh, uh you know i don't know i have nothing to really uh, contribute to this one i don't know what it means i don't know what those rule changes you talk about mean i don't understand how the designated hitter is in one league and not the other and what the, <laughs> well, now why it's that not. is yeah well, now right it's not. so yeah. what, what does that bring to the game what does that add what does that contribute that uh, the game has been lacking or missing and will this be something they they do when they return you know if next year returns to normal will they maybe, keep the maybe. dh in the uh, in the nl so uh, I don't know. I have no real idea what to say about this one, other than uh, I hope our Barbs do well and make the playoffs and win the win the pennant. <laughs> Isn't that what they do? Go Barbs! Uh, listen Doesn't, to this, yeah. though. I'll blow your mind, Lee. We yeah. could, we could, because of this extra innings rule that Tass and I were just talking about. There could be a perfect game in which you lost. Mm-hmm. Think of that. Think of that. You could have wow, a perfect I mean, game going. Then they yeah. put the runner on second. Right. Maybe there's a pass ball that moves the uh, the runner to third. Let's say then maybe there's another pass ball, but or, even like or a sack even a fly, sack bunt. Yeah, yeah. exactly, yeah. Tass. That's crazy, man. Oh, baby. I hope that happens. I hope it happens. So then we can have another because oh, yeah. baseball is has got the craziest stats. Like no one goes geekier into stats than the baseball dudes. You know, like when someone has a no hitter and you're not allowed to talk to the to the pitcher while he's in that no hitter. But I mean, the no hitter is like you can be caught out, can't you? Like in a no hitter. Like if you if you hit it and it gets caught in the outfield, that counts as a no hitter, doesn't it? <laughs> yes, that's an yes. out. Yeah. yeah. No base hits. Not yeah, just that's right. General yeah. hits. Yeah. yeah. Because you see the guy, you could hit the ball all over the place, you know, and there's foul tips and all that. And <laughs> okay. Like, <laughs> okay. 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 Let's move on. Let's move on. I don't want to go too deep on this. I don't need a. I don't need a Houston Rockets uh, incident here again, making the playoffs. All right. According to Shams, our next one here, the NBA has modified its dress code for the 2019-20 restart in Orlando. Players are not required now to wear a sport coat on the bench and can instead wear short or long sleeve polos for team slash league business. Also, male and female coaches can wear short or long sleeve NBA polo shirts on the sidelines. This is basically what I call the old summer league look. (laughs) Um, Trey, we'll start with you. Are you up or down on the new bubble dress code? Up on not having to wear a sport coat on the bench, but I mean... We'll see how this plays out. I hope the players really embrace it. You know, we just watched uh, The Last Dance not too long ago. There was multiple scenes of Dennis Rodman showing up in 
plaid pajama pants. Hopefully we see stuff like that because this is honestly the least the NBA could do is say no dress code. These guys are risking disease and injury. They're going to be away from their family for three and a half months. It should be zero concern of anybody what they're wearing around. Like, so, I don't care if, you know, JaVale McGee shows up wearing a goofy hat to sit on the bench during a game. That's fine right. by me. I was surprised to see, though, that um, no mention of whether or not shorts are going to be allowed. It's going to be hot down there. Going to be inside all the time? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I wonder if we're going to see some Crocs slowly. <laughs> I mean, uh, Trey, sorry, whatever. Oh, man, yeah, you're you're allowed to go to the pools, and you're allowed to be inside. You can wear them anywhere. Yep, yeah. yep, yep. Well, Lee, what do you think it, of this? Well, again, JaVale, I definitely can see wearing Crocs. I can see him uh, being a big Croc guy. Uh, will a coach wear Crocs on the side with shorts? <laughs> I don't but... I don't think I don't think they can get this extreme, by the way, with this dress code. Mm-hmm. I think it's mm-hmm. more like what Shams just spelled out there it's like basically you don't have to wear a coat and uh yeah. you gotta wear one of these polos again it's summer league yeah shorts is a good question though i, I highly doubt they'll be able to though yeah maybe i mean i think that's the thing though the nba should not care at all right now right. about what they're right. wearing just get the games going man that's all people want to see right now some basketball and uh so yeah no one's going to be like i can't believe steve kurt well he won't be there but i can't believe that so-and-so coach is wearing not wearing a jacket that's unbelievable you know <laughs> Task. Give me an up. Give me an up. Simple That's as all. that. I mean, I got nothing to say. I'm like Lee about baseball. I got nothing to say about this. Nothing right. to say. Although I will say baseball is very hard to explain to somebody who didn't grow up in North America. Or well, Listen, I, I understand the basics of the game. Okay, but I'm not, I'm not you, insulting you. I'm just saying it's hard, yeah. it's hard to explain. It's hard to explain it to somebody. It is. Mm. I find it hard. Like, uh, I, you know, growing up, uh, I traveled to Greece a lot with my family. Greece doesn't care about baseball unless it's the 2004 Olympics and they're forced to put a team on the field. But they don't. The Greeks don't know about baseball, and I had to explain it. It's it was not easy. Nobody got it. That's all I got to say. I think it might be harder than cricket. Yeah. Oh yeah, well, cricket's not that hard to explain to someone. Mm. I don't think, Lee. It's yeah, fun. well, it, it depends. Again, there's so many different formats well, oh, of the yeah. game. Well, yeah, I know. mean the actual like yeah. playing of it on the field. How do you score runs? Type things yeah. and stuff. The like hardest that. part yeah. of cricket, though, is to say you can play for five days and have no result at the yeah. end. People, yeah. people can't understand that part. But <laughs> but again, in baseball, you can have a no hitter, but you can walk a guy, can't you? Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. But yeah. a perfect game, Lee, you can't. Walk right, out. that's okay. Yeah. Perfect game is 27 up, 27 <laughs> out. Right. Yeah. But that's why this extra innings rule is a weird wrinkle on that. Yeah. Because you're putting a guy on base who could score, never having you know a hit um, actually occur. Anyway, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Final one. Let's wrap Baseball, this Baseball guys. Yeah, man. Hey, look, hey, if somebody gets a perfect game in a loss, we're doing a podcast on it. Right? <laughs> For sure. Okay. Well, right. Let's do a cricket podcast and a baseball podcast and ask our fans who can understand the game after the podcast easier. <laughs> All right. Yeah, just sure. call people. I think it's calling people up. Just random people and trying to explain the sports to them. Now, the problem is they, they may know they have a prior knowledge. We'll figure it out. All right, our final one here. We, we got to wrap this up here soon. Uh, Matt Fortuna at the Athletic. He dropped a fun oral history yesterday on Master P's time as a preseason NBA player back in '99. Across two preseasons for two teams in one year, it was the Hornets and the Raptors. Master P suited up with the goal of trying to make an NBA roster. And some of the guys interviewed in the piece said, especially considering his age at the time, he was in his 30s, Master P wasn't that bad. Um, So my question, Lee, is, after reading the article and knowing what you know maybe about Master P, 
Are you up or down on him actually being a borderline NBA player back in the day? Well, down. He he never really got that close. Uh, what was his average? It was like one point uh, in the in the games that actually counted. And uh, right. Antonio Davis uh, was not feeling it. He didn't really think that Master <laughs> P deserved that shot. You know, you don't just walk on and get a chance to play in the NBA. So, uh, and they sent a few screens. They tried to test him out a little bit. But mm-hmm. you know what? Master P wanted to be chosen on his basketball ability and not because of how famous he was at the time. Yeah. So I respect that. I respect that he was like, I just want to be a baller. And, and you know, he made, he hit that three in the game and he, like, he, he knocked it down. But you can just tell immediately, even from that, at that standard, just how quick a release is on a normal NBA player. Because Master P sort of gets it and he gets into position and shoots it. And it just takes like yeah. a second and a half, which seems like a quick time. But in the NBA, you just realize just how quickly players yeah, true. release the shot. So, um, yeah, he, he was never really close. But, uh, Apparently he tried. wasn't that bad of an athlete. Yeah, you know, like he yeah, actually yeah. was pretty well conditioned, and yeah, maybe not the greatest basketball player ever, but not you could sort of hang with all the drills, I guess, and stuff like that, and the running yeah. and all that, which is pretty impressive. Yeah, so good on him for trying out and for for trying to be a legit player, but uh, he never really got close to cracking an NBA roster. Yeah, having read that, I was more convinced though that Master P was a pretty good basketball player, uh, right? Because yeah. like you're saying, Skeets, like Chucky Brown is saying, basically he could hang with us conditioning wise. He was a better than average shooter. But like a lot of people who don't make it to the NBA, he was a little too slow and a little too short. My favorite detail, though, is that the guy never took a shower after a game. Yeah, you know, I that was that. so weird. Yeah. They no like, limit, no shower. Yeah. No dunks. Um, yeah, that, I, I, I was laughing out loud reading that, too. I was actually like, whoa, Master P was oddly ahead of his time because players aren't going to be able to shower at the arenas down in the bubble either. They're going to have True. to play a game and go back to their uh, hotel. And that's Pick him up. Back in 99. Yeah, exactly. Throw Sign him up right now. Yeah, what do you think, Tass? You read the article? Um, I, I'm a huge up on the article. It, it was fun, and, and yeah. it, it reminded definitely reminded me of uh, you know reading about Michael Jordan becoming a baseball player mm-hmm. uh, because there was the the sort of the uh, I guess just the baseline of skills. Like you know he, he had the handle, he had it, but he he did some some dumb things like MJ was you know in the outfield and would be running to grab a. Uh, a ball rolling to him and he'd put both hands on it when he could just pick it up with his glove hand just like master p passed it in the post and then went to go pick for the guy bobby <laughs> it was bobby phil's uh, apparently in the post had the ball and he came went and picked for him what are you doing man um but yeah but great conditioning uh, and he was working his butt off and this those two camps especially you know even being a, a raptor fan back then were always sort of a mystery to me that he was he was in a training camp, but it wasn't really well reported on back then. I agree with that. Yeah, I thought and, the same thing too. Yeah, I had, it was just I didn't know anything about it, and and I was in Toronto, but uh, now we've got the definitive piece. Like that was the, definitely by far the most quotes I've ever read about Master P. Mm-hmm. And yeah, watch I watched two minutes of his highlights, and Tracy McGrady was jumping up and down when he banged home a shot. <laughs> Yeah, there's the the one, it's written in the article, again, I highly uh, encourage you to go read it, um, or have somebody read it to you, and then it'll be like the same thing, you basically have read it, um, of Master P, it was like in a scrimmage, it wasn't in a preseason game, because you're rightly, he had really brutal stats in the actual preseason games, but it was like a scrimmage game, and like they still packed the house, right, it was when he was uh, trying out for Charlotte, for the Hornets, and he, be- he, hit like a, he hit like a couple threes in a row, I guess, and the place was going nuts, 
And he was literally yelling, like, make him say, uh, after hitting threes, <laughs> which is an awesome visual um, from his No Limit days. Yeah. I, I also, I, it was a bit of a shock to me to learn, like, just how rich Master P was in oh, that article, man, yeah. right? I didn't know at times, like, he was, like, 300 plus million dollars worth. And, like, I knew he was a huge star, but that was a little eye-opening, too. I was like, damn, this guy was, like, making the, the Forbes Top 100 list and stuff like that. Holy crap. Good on him. Yeah, that was crazy. Uh, even ahead of Michael Jordan for his fortune in, yeah. uh, you know what, I guess this would have been September two thousand or September 1999, making more money from rap music than Michael Jordan was a year after he had been retired. Pretty crazy. Wow. That's wild. All right, let's call it there. That was a fun up-down. Let's hear uh, whether you guys are up or down on some of those topics. Let us know on Twitter. Hashtag NoDunks at NoDunksInc. Pretty good week for us, I'd say. We had the Squad Mascots podcast, little NBA News Roundup, Beach Steppin' Film Session, talking about the Mr. Chibs, Kenny Anderson documentary. Uh, that one we posted on Thursday, so check that out. We got ended with this up-down, so fun week. Thank you so much to everybody that continues to subscribe and listen to the show and share the show. We really help it. Wouldn't mind if you'd consider leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. I haven't asked you guys to do that in a long time. Um, So if you haven't already, help your boys out. Jump over to Apple Podcasts and uh, leave that five-star review. Really appreciate it. It helps always in terms of rankings. We got a lot of fun podcasts lined up for next week, okay? We got a fun couple of interviews. We got a new Who Wants Some Trivia. Mm -hmm. And uh, hopefully have a fun little show planned for Canada Day as well Mm. on july 1st yeah a little canada theme lee can just the entire podcast keep saying homer homer (laughs) homer i could have a uh, special canadian themed uh pop and packs for you next week too Uh, beaver beaver (laughs) still working on the beaver in fact it could be the biggest week in pop and packs history next week i'll just leave that out there i've got a couple of irons in the fire but could end up with none could end up with a couple of people We got a fun week ahead of us. Thanks again for subscribing to the show. Clipper Bros. You heard it here first. Have a great time. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. Thanks for joining us. And remember, Percy Miller, Master P, and his uh, ex-wife, Sonia Miller, have seven kids together. A few of their names that I absolutely love. Romeo. You know little Romeo. little Romeo. Percy Mm -hmm. and Mercy. Oh, Mercy. That's a good name. Yeah. Ready to go, Percy. Embrace the weekend, people. You could stay.